Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, and Instagram at Digital Workflow Dentistry. They say that eyes are the window to your soul. Let Legend Graphics provide you visually stunning art prints, canvas photo prints, banners, and so much more. Whether it's for your home, team, or business, we can create a design for you virtually. Visit www.legendgrafix.com. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, and I'm here along with my colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski, on a beautiful sunny day in Calgary, Alberta. Mike, you seem like you're dressed for some patience, whereas I am clearly business on top and golf course on the bottom. Yes, I, I, I agree. I wish I was going to the golf course after this. Yeah, well, we've, we've got to get through this podcast because I have a uh, tea time uh, coming up. The good thing about uh, COVID restrictions, of course, is that you can't actually show up to the golf course well before your tea time. So we'll be answering some questions from some of our viewers. And then I'm going to go shank my first ball on the T in T minus three hours here. Nice. Yeah. So once again, uh, welcome everybody to the podcast. Uh, welcome Vishal. Um, so today what we decided to do was field some of the questions that you guys have been sending us in on the emails and on our Instagram. And so we today are, we're doing 20 questions with DWD. And really, um, what we want to do is, is present this ongoing in the future. So if you do have any questions at Digital Workflow Dentistry, um, feel free to go in on our Instagram or at our website and to our email. Just shoot us some questions, anything that you see in the, in the webinars or podcasts that we do uh, that you're not sure about, feel free to post. And then we're going to do these question and answer sessions. Perfect. So, Mike, let's get into sort of the first question, a uh, common question that, of course, uh, comes up with our friends and colleagues. Why did you guys start a podcast? So, well, from my perspective, uh, starting the podcast was about the things that we're doing in, in lecturing and webinars uh, was to get the message out to people about what we're teaching, what we're training. But I also think it's nice for new grads uh, to hear about these concepts of digital workflows in order for them to be able to get uh, some information on this at a reasonable, you know, at no cost and to start learning and thinking about these types of things. How about yourself? You know, that obviously is one major component as to why we started this. And of course, as you know, and, and some of our colleagues know, uh, due to COVID-19, we had a number of our uh, upcoming lecture dates essentially postponed. In fact, we had one uh, last weekend on implantology, a two-day hands-on course that, of course, uh, was um, put uh, indefinitely on hold. So the podcast was initially intended to support a lot of those lecture series to provide further information on what we were talking about on our weekend courses. And of course, in the absence of those weekend courses, we kind of flipped it. So now we're just talking about dentistry and probably a bit more of an elementary aspect on things, but uh, certainly something that was intended to promote our lecture series and support it. Now we flipped it, uh, although we are going to be getting back to some webinars and some in-office training at some point in the foreseeable future. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully some people have gotten a lot out of it, a lot more to, to follow. So you, you did mention obviously new grads. So uh, of course, you and I are well into our uh, digital technology journey being relatively tenured uh, dentists with a bit of gray in, uh, in the beard and the hair. But 
As a new grad, Mike, if you're going to give some advice, how would you incorporate digital technology when you have other costs to worry about? Or let's say, for example, you are a new clinic owner. How would you incorporate that? What would be your plan? So for me, when I look at the digital technology and implementation, I, I always think that it's important to look at it from a budget, look at it from a, a business plan, and look at how you can use the technology to get into this. I also think, um, to flip this a little bit, I think it's really important for people to get educated on the technology, get mentored on the technology first, understand the technology before you try to implement it. That way, when you purchase the equipment and you get in, you know, get, get it rolling, you're actually boots on the ground ready to get it done as opposed to buying the equipment and then it's sitting there while you're waiting to get in a training course, which I must say, if you were buying your equipment in February and planning to go to a training course in March, you would have been in trouble this year. Yeah, no, that's 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 a really good point in that technology can be fantastic in the dental office, but there's nothing more frustrating than if it's not utilized or yep. sitting in the corner. Um, you know, one thing that I'll just add to that is uh, a piece of technology that's near and dear to both you and I is, of course, the Prime Scan. And I'm just going to use that as an example. I really like the Prime Scan because, of course, it's it's multifunctional. Uh, we both use it as an entirely uh, in-office digital impression system. So it has replaced PBS and Alginate in our offices. Of course, it's uh, a crown-making machine as well, or or part of that system. And then, of course, uh, you know you're doing a lot of implants in your practice, so it helps in the treatment planning the diagnosis uh, and actually the uh, execution of those implants, be it surgical guides or the restoration aspect. So when you're looking at technology, obviously look to see where it is can be incorporated into your office and also whether that platform can be improved upon in later years. And, you know, CEREC is one example where they've done a really effective job, Dance by Serona, with that. Yeah, and I think you make a good point um, that ultimately to answer that question, I think a bit better is what you said. Um, is that the prime scan would be a, a great place to start. Get a digital impression system, start with that. Uh, I think that would be a nice way for the patients not to have to have the polyvinyls. You're going to mm-hmm. get the improved accuracy, um, the wow factor for the patients. Yeah. And I think it's a great introduction into the technology. So we're just going to take a bit of a left turn here, uh, moving away from technology, something a little more simplistic and the restorative side of things. Uh, what are you doing to cement your CERAC crowns? Mike and why? Yeah, so we just pulled all these questions off and threw them together here. So we wanted to do something a little bit just less formal uh, for you guys. Um, for cementation, I've been liking the Therasem, you know, which is uh, a really uh, nice uh, cement. Uh, well, you basically it's an all-purpose cement. You can use it for any type of crown. Uh, I find it's uh, really effective in wet environments. Easy cleanup, easy to use. And often when we're doing like inlay type restorations or anteriors, I'm going back to Calibra as my go-to in, in more aesthetic zones because the Therasem is a bit opaque. How about yourself? You know, it, it's situation dependent, much like what you just said. Obviously, if we're working uh, in the anterior zone, uh, it's going to be a light cure unit uh, or light cure cement only. Uh, if we're working in the posterior, there's a lot of information now on margin elevation and, you know, keeping the porcelain or the restorative material uh, pretty close to the minimal thickness requirements. So you can light cure through that. So we're gravitating more towards uh, light cure only in the posterior. But our go-to for many years, especially utilizing Emacs, has been uh, Relax Ultimate, which is a 3M's green product that comes out of the syringe. And it's a total etch system. 
So we're selectively etching, which you know probably goes beyond the scope of this quick little discussion, but etching the enamel using a self-etching bonding agent on that etched enamel and also on the unetched dentin. And then of course the Relax Ultimate is dual cure. Uh, of course, we get into a whole different topic of conversation now that we have the capability of bonding zirconia, which is great. Um, so again, that's a, a multi-step process. Uh, the best advice that I would have for people looking to utilize the system is be consistent with the system. So whether you're using Densplicerona's products or Ivoclar or 3M, all fantastic companies, there's a variety of other ones out there, but just be consistent across the board in that you're ensuring that you, you're using a bonding agent that matches that cement and that any of the conditioning uh, components to that, you know, the primers or, or whether you're using uh, monobond, et cetera, that you're just consistent with the chemistry, which is matched across the manufacturer. So uh, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, you know, if there's no dent, pardon me, if there's no enamel and it's all dentin, so for example, replacing an old PFM crown, we're just using a self-etching du dual cure cement. Uh, typically deeper margins, probably a more heavily reduced preparation than say a tooth that's never had a crown on it. And, uh, you know, Relax Unisem, uh, the yellow one from 3M is, is a good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've used the Relax Ultimate as well. I think it's a great product. Uh, for us, we have a lot of daylight, a lot of sun coming in. So for us, it's been one of those things where I find that Relax, uh, with the sun shining, can set a little fast mm -hmm. so something to be cautious about um, and if you are able to do it in a room without a lot of ambient or sun coming in i, I really think it's a great cement um, what i liked about with the anterior stuff with calibra is you kind of have all the time in the world and so when we are let's say inserting multiple teeth uh, i find it's great because you can tack them in place and you still have time to clean up and you're not in that rush rush um, but yes, I agree. Um, all those are, are great products, but it's nice to, you know, stick for color stability with a light cure only in the anterior. And, and there is just a further on that with Relax Ultimate, there's some evidence to suggest that uh, initial tack phase or the pre-curing uh, aspect uh, does create some long-term instability on that. So really the approach is intended just to let it cure on its own. So I agree with you. If you can go to a light cure material and you're able to get uh, adequate curing uh, because the materials aren't too thick or accessible to the light, that seems to be the approach that's more favorable. Yeah, that's good. It's, uh, that was a great question that we had. Um, now, another question um, that came out um, was, can you use CIRAC, um, one office, one appointment crowns for the anterior? The short answer to that is certainly yes. The long answer, of course, is going to take a little bit more time to get through. So I recently, uh, I believe it was in December, went down to Scottsdale at Serac Doctors and just did a refresher on the anterior aesthetics course. So the capabilities of the machine in terms of design, mill, the software, it's exceptional. The limiting factor, of course, is just the time, the chairside time. Yep. So if you're doing four units, you're proficient with your workflow. You can mill them, stain, glaze, deliver them in one appointment. Once you get it to eight or, or 10 units, uh, unless you're, you have your systems exceptionally dialed in, which admittedly we don't, uh, you're probably looking at a multi, uh, multi appointment, uh, process. So the key aspects with anterior aesthetics is there is some extra oral characterization that is required. Uh, obviously some level of smile design software is important as well. 
or in lieu of that, you may want to do a wax up before and just, of course, copy that shape and replicate it into the patient's mouth. Now, with the prime mill, which again is just being delivered to some offices in Canada post COVID, the fine milling capability on the prime mill is going to vastly improve the amount of characterization that we have on anterior teeth. So, you know, whether it's vertical lines, horizontal lines, uh, variety of aspects we're going to see some improvements on that so yeah you certainly can uh, it definitely requires some further training if you're doing multiple units single unit is pretty uh, simplistic um, but yeah from our experience four units is the most that we've currently done in office uh, we have some bigger cases coming up that we will probably uh, do within the office but not at a single appointment yeah i agree most often with multiples we'll do it as in two visits mm-hmm. um, what i like about the the CRX system for anterior is for a single tooth. And so where I find it really works great is if you've got a patient that breaks a front tooth, you know, trauma, accident, or they had a veneers done previously and they break one, um, I really think it's like amazing that they can walk in and you can make them that tooth on site and you can then customize the staining because otherwise I find in a lot of cases you send it to the lab then the lab sends it back and you, you try it in. It doesn't quite match and you have all these changes. When you can actually do it right there and you're standing and glazing right in front and you can take it, hold it up in front of the patient, take it back. Yes, it's a bit of a longer appointment, but boy, is it pretty slick that way. So the single anterior, I find much easier to do it with the CEREC than the lab. But yes, when it gets into multiples, we'll, we might do a couple of visits. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because most experienced CEREC users that I know say the exact same thing, a single anterior unit, which historically we're told is one of the most difficult procedures to match. When you're able to do it chair side, it's actually not that complicated. And the reason for that is you're able to essentially copy and mirror the opposing, let's say it's a central incisor. So you have the exact shape. Of course, you initially tried in, maybe the shade is a little bit off, but right there you're able to just mimic or copy the adjacent tooth, laboratory fabricated, and then just put it back in the oven and get some tweaking. You know, in, in my hands, uh, I'd struggle with artistry. If I was a lab technician and I had to do sort of 10 unit cases, uh, it's not my area of expertise. And if you asked me to, to paint a, a painting, I wouldn't be very effective at it. It wouldn't turn out very good. But if I have to copy something, that's a whole different scenario. So artistry versus mimicry. Mimicry is something that's pretty easy to replicate. And uh, we've delegated to the team. Our assistants are fantastic at it. They really, really enjoy it. Um, according to science, uh, women have better rods or cones. I can't remember which one it is than men. So there's some scientific uh, background to that as well. But yeah, I concur. Um, next question. So can you do sleep apnea treatment without a CBCT mic? So if you go to our podcast number two, we do talk quite a bit about the CBCT and about sleep apnea. Uh, so feel free to check that out. But the long and short of that answer is uh, you don't need a CBCT necessarily to do sleep. We're using the matrix system. The matrix system is a type of a level three test that is moving the lower jaw at night and testing where the lower jaw needs to be in order to treat the sleep apnea and also to whether or not this person can ask, actually be treated for the sleep apnea. So we find out if this patient is in the right office. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is the biggest part. Um, beyond that, the benefit of digital impression we know. It's important. It's good. It's more accurate. It's better than doing the PVS. So there's a lot of benefits for digital workflow 
as far as ease of getting everything done and the speed of getting everything done. But realistically, the CBCT is just one of those tools in that workflow that helps us, but is, is not necessary. So essentially, it can be predictive, as you talk about in your extensive uh, sleep apnea lectures, uh, but it's not necessary. You can utilize the matrix and other pre-screening tools to determine whether that patient is a candidate for oral appliance therapy. Perfect. And uh, we've got an upcoming webinar uh, that we'll be doing, uh, in fact, recording in about a week and a half. So certainly tune into that. There's a lot more information on sleep apnea, the role of the team in diagnosing, treating it, uh, executing treatment on that as well. Uh, so tune into that. Well, go ahead. Yeah, we're going to get into a follow up question here on some hardware, Mike. You're a gadget guy, so you're going to appreciate this. Um, Someone is asking if they have the MCXL, should they upgrade to the Prime Mill? I'll jump in and, and obviously uh, take this and, and chime in where you see fit. So there's two major advantages currently with the Prime Mill. The first is the speed at, at, as to which it can mill out restoration, specifically zirconia. So we're going to talk about a, a workflow. Someone had a question later on about the workflow, which is a common question that comes up when I do the SEREC uh, uh, level one training as well. But with the Prime Mill and the Prime Scan combination, you can deliver a zirconia restoration, and most people are going to be able to do this, in for sure 70 or 75 minutes. Now, a proficient user who's got their systems dialed in is really fast chair-side, and, and, and that's not the practitioner that I am, uh, can probably do it in 60 minutes. So the Prime Mill, if you're looking at decreasing your appointment times for a variety of reasons. You know, now with COVID-19, it's very challenging to dovetail rooms and go back and forth. It certainly might be worth looking into. Um, besides that, right now, the capabilities are essentially the same. But one thing that will be changing in the foreseeable future, and obviously this will be very near and dear to you, Mike, is the capability of milling titanium abutments. So the way that the system is set up uh, obviously, it'll be a different set of burrs, but the machine is capable right now of milling out custom titanium abutments. It's not a fast workflow. Obviously, it'll be slow, but just the ability to control that within the office, you know, I find very appealing, and I know you're going to find that exceptionally appealing. So those are sort of the main aspects. If you're looking for speed with your zirconia or you're looking for future capabilities, enhanced capabilities with your implant restorations, it's, it's certainly worth looking into. But the MCXL is a fantastic piece of equipment, long-standing, durable, um, and can do most of those things. Yeah, I like the concept too for the whole concept of the COVID. You know, and one of our, our next questions is going to be about that. But I do think it's really interesting how the digital workflows are playing well into the post-COVID reopening in that we can get our treatment completed for that patient. So you're not bringing them back for the same, finishing the same treatment and then another set of PPE for that for that scenario. So that one appointment crown that we talk in, I think it's uh, our, our um, number four, I think we talk about podcast four, we talk about the one appointment mm -hmm. crown. I think that is um, really good for post-COVID for people to learn that, that whole workflow. Now, the next question we had on COVID was, what are the protocols that we are using with our technology um, and what COVID protocols are we are we moving forward with? I'm going to let you actually start on this because one thing that I found is you've been actually a great resource for us uh, and our offices 
in terms of procuring uh, some solutions. And obviously we bounce some ideas back off of one another. So I'll let you jump into it initially, and then I'll, uh, I'll chime in on the aspects that I uh, see fit, but specifically the hypochlorous uh, spray and fog. Yeah, so what we're doing is, you know, we're all following the guidelines with the gowns. We have face shields. We're using either a level three with a face shield, or we're using the N95s, um, N95 equivalents. But it's, uh, you know, and again, uh, it's all about keeping yourself from getting contact on your skin or breathing in aerosols. Um, rubber dam uh, we're using, and we're, I've always been a pretty consistent rubber dam user in the past. So now it's, it's back in vogue. And so we're minimizing the aerosols that are coming out of the mouth and we're using the high volume suction. We have put in air purifiers in our room. Uh, we're using the gowns. Um, I know people are either using disposable or washable. Uh, we have both and it's really trying to keep all this stuff in stock. Um, we know we've put our sneeze guard at the front and we've, our patients are wearing masks. We've, we've, uh, adjusted things, you know, a little bit for, for the patients, uh, and the scheduling. But, um, you know, one of the biggest things I found that's been, uh, helpful is we're using a, a hypochlorous acid spray, which is very green technology. And, um, you know, it's something that John Coyce was talking mm-hmm. about in his webinars. And it is on his, uh, the whole things, uh, about it is on his, uh, if you go to his resource section, it, there's a lot of discussion about it. But it's, uh, it's basically an activated water, very safe, very safe for people, but it's, uh, something you can use to spray, um, kill, the, uh, any of the virus bacterias and, uh, make the room, you know, and fog the room, which the concept of getting the aerosols out of the room, using your air purifier. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing, uh, to make sure that our patients are safe and, and keeping them. We're still using the cavicides and that for the hosing, the tubing. Uh, but we're, you know, at the front of the office and in, in the rooms, we're just keeping that air purified and then using that fogging approach between patients uh, to keep that down. Anything you want to add there? You know, those are the main modifications for us. Like, of course, we're utilizing uh, level three, at least I am a mask and the face shield, of course, is the big difference for sure. Uh, I've gone from wearing uh, dress shirts for my fantastic tailor and, and dress pants. There's a, a plug for you, JP. Uh, to of course jackets or gowns and of course the hygienists have have different protocols entirely uh, n95 masks face shields etc but the the hypochlorous spray uh, to address essentially potential contaminated aerosols has been something we've incorporated we have closed operatories much like uh, your office where the majority of them are closed so the standalone honeywell air purifiers uh, the hepa ones have been great from that perspective and at one of our offices, we actually have a front deskless concept. So it was pretty easy for us to sort of um, minimize that patient to receptionist contact. We have years kept credit cards on file in uh, the Monaris vault system for those people who just wanted to leave after the appointment. We would email out their receipts. And that was has always been very well received. So at the other two offices, we're slowly transitioning to that as well, or at least giving people... Uh, the option but those have been the major modifications for sure uh, but you know our workflow is going to change uh, obviously going from a CEREC appointment to a couple Invisalign checks that becomes a bit more challenging when you're having to uh, don and doff PP equipment so we're modifying changing on a weekly basis and certainly for our next podcast I'll have some more modifications that we've uh, undertaken at that time so just to loop that in uh, and I haven't asked you this question before but are you charging anything for PPE? So I know out there, you know, and, and we'll we'll plug away here on these questions. Um, but 
my short answer for that is no, we're not. I mean, um, I, I don't disagree with people that are charging for the PPE, but everybody's in this together. Everybody is struggling through to get the economy back underway. And so down the road, I don't know, maybe that's something we revisit, but it's just something we haven't really talked about or been too concerned about for now. Yeah, you know, in fact, it hasn't even come up with my uh, offices, so it's not something we've we've changed. We don't have a surcharge with it. Uh, you know, the other aspect is it takes some time to determine what impact this has on your business, whether you're restaurants, you know, whether you're Boeing or Air Canada or whether you're a dental office. So, you know, as time goes by, businesses may need to modify. But I, I concur with you. It it's uh, it hasn't. It's been significant in terms of the amount of human capital required uh, to change some things. Of course, hygienists only hand scaling as opposed to using ultrasonics here in Alberta right now. That's been a change, but we don't yet have a good grasp as to what the overhead cost would be. So, you know, in a couple months, we'll have a better idea for sure. Yeah. Our next question, uh, we've sort of already already answered, um, which was about with COVID, are we changing our time booking? And so I'll just say that, you know, what we're doing is you know, getting patients out of the front quicker, um, not having, you know, talking to them in the car, doing those types of things to, to ease up traffic. And then we're just allowing a little buffer in our schedule um, for the patients to be getting in and out without overlapping. Um, that's been the main changes that we've done. Understanding that we're going to, we have enough rooms that we can um, fog and, and wait for those rooms while we're doing other things um, is helping so that we don't have to really adjust the time that much. Um, and the other thing, you've already mentioned this, that one of the other questions that came through, um, and so just quickly, give us um, the time allotment, the, how you do a 90-minute crown, like how much does each part take? Because this, this person that uh, sent this in was saying that it usually takes them about two hours. So what what is your timing for the each section? So when we had an Omnicam and an MCXL, we were booking two hours. And it, you probably could get it done in certainly less time than that, than that, Mike. But that two-hour allocation allowed us to sort of have a full 60 minutes of production in between, where my assistants might be doing a little bit of the design aspect, of course, that I would verify. They would be doing the post-mill try-in prior to us staining, glazing, and then firing it, which they would do all of that. They would condition the uh, crown, depending on what material we're using, they would follow those steps. So that two-hour workflow worked effectively because, you know, certainly it's one appointment and we have a lot of production capabilities in that middle time slot in another room. With the prime scan, uh, that has been sped up immensely. So if you're a, an Omnicam user, my suggestion would be topical anesthetic. Your assistant is scanning the opposing uh, and they can scan uh, part of the arch that you're going to be preparing. Uh, or you can just leave that until after you've prepped that area. So they're they're getting a lot of that done in advance. You're going to come in and anesthetize the patient. You'll go through the preparation, design, uh, scan that area, do a quick scan of the buckle bite. Now, at this point, with my experienced assistance, we're simply going to use wording like, are the margins clear? And if my assistant sees the margins, there's no ambiguity, nothing that is questionable in a proximal aspect, they're just going to say yes. And at that point, I'm going to leave the room, allow them to do the design process, and I can go do a recall, uh, you know, check ESPN, see how my stock portfolio is plummeting, a variety of things that you can certainly do. With the Prime Scan, that workflow has changed. 
So we actually don't pre-scan anymore, Mike. We have topical anesthetic on. I come in, we anesthetize the patient. While that anesthetic is taking effect, we scan the opposing, which really just takes seconds because the software cuts out all extraneous soft tissue on its own. We prepare the tooth, and I'm not fast. I'm going to tell you it's going to take probably 15 minutes to prepare a tooth, You know, whether we're doing some sort of an IDS or uh, obviously adding some sort of a conservative composite core into that. That all is factored in, possibly some desensitization. And then, of course, isolation, whether you're using a soft tissue laser, whether you're packing cord, whether you're using uh, Exposil or, or a similar product. Uh, we're going to give that about 15 minutes. Now, the difference now, of course, is when you scan your preparation, there's auto-margination. And the auto-margination, I did my first uh, CEREC post-COVID this week, and the auto-margination nailed it. So that aspect on marginating now is done. The designs uh, that, or, or the proposals that the computer is going to give you are more accurate as well because the algorithms learn from your preferences, etc. So that process of scanning the prep, marginating, designing, you know, conservatively, we might be able to call it seven minutes. Once you're proficient at this, there's no way it's taking that long, faster than that. And then if you have a MCXL, you know, you're, you're milling out in sort of 10, 12, 15 minutes, somewhere in there, obviously with a prime mill, five minutes zirconia. And then of course the oven aspect as well. So that's all shrinking. So if you're an Omnicam user in MCXL, uh, you can certainly do a two-hour workflow with plenty of time in between, or if you don't want that time in between, shorten it to 90 minutes, get your assistants to scan before, do a lot of that try and process, do a lot of the design process. But now if you're with the prime scan, there's no real benefit of having them scan before. It's just so fast to do, as you know, with the prime scan. The algorithms with the auto-margination and the proposals are so quick, there's not a lot of modifications at that point. Uh, so that time is even decreasing. And then once we get the prime mill in office, even further decreasing. Anything that you want to add to that? Well, I think you've summed that up really well. Um, you know, you lecture on that a lot. And so you're sort of the expert on the timing. So I appreciate that. Uh, with that, uh, I'd really like to thank everybody for sending in the questions. Uh, really well done. Keep sending them in and we'll keep answering them as we go. Uh, this first part, we're going to split into two. So next week, we'll pick up the last 10 questions on DWD does question and answer session. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks to Vishal for being here. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, please check out our Instagram at uh, Digital Workflow Dentistry. And everybody stay well.